Please join me in the prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Listen to God's word for us. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Today's second reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more. He went on his way, rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. This past week, in a presentation entitled Nurturing Mental Health in Children, Dr. Claudia Allen, a psychologist and family therapist at the University of Virginia, made a really interesting observation. As she was discussing the pandemic, specifically parenting (laughs) during the pandemic, she reminded those listening that there are three things that every child craves and every adult needs to thrive in this world. Three things that at any given moment we are all seeking out or trying to live into. Three things, connection, autonomy, and competence. We all want to be competent enough to get the job done. Autonomous enough to make decisions about our own life and connected enough to other people to feel love and support. Connection, autonomy, and competence. Three things every human being needs to thrive in this world. 
And in today's passage from Acts, the Spirit of God grants all three to two strangers who meet strangely on a wilderness road. Our story today begins with an angel of the Lord sending Philip down a wilderness road from Jerusalem to Gaza, a road away from the security of his friends into an unknown and dangerous countryside. Our story really begins like any good story begins, with a journey from the familiar to the unknown. Philip, of course, is not the only one sent down this road by the Spirit of God. There's another traveler on the road that day, an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, a Jew of the diaspora, who was on his way home to Ethiopia after worshiping in Jerusalem. Two strangers who, by God's providence, meet in the middle of nowhere. Of course, we know their encounter is no accident. The Spirit of God is clearly at work here. This is no chance meeting on the road. For these two strangers are about to learn how much they're going to need each other to find their way home. What you may not know about these two travelers, Philip and the eunuch, is they could have not been more different within the Jewish community. While they both are of Israel, both worshipers of the one true God, this is where their similarity ends. The eunuch is from Ethiopia, the outer limits of the known world at the time. He is wholly other, not only because of his dark skin, but also because of his ambiguous sexuality. As a eunuch, he was neither male or female. He's a servant of a queen with power, without a place or a family to call his own. He's a strange mix of walking contradictions, a faithful foreigner who is a slave with power, who clearly has a passion for God, who is not fully embraced by God's own people, who still chooses to read the Hebrew Bible to pass the time as he heads back home. In many ways, the eunuch is the outer boundary of the possibility of Jewish existence in the world. Philip, on the other hand, sits squarely in the inner circle of Jewish life post-resurrection, traveling with the apostles, spreading the good news of the Lord from region to region. The eunuch is at the edge, and Philip is at the center. And the Spirit sends both of them down a wilderness road to find one another so they can learn more about themselves and the God they both are seeking to serve. This is no chance encounter. The Spirit of God is at work. You may know the story, but the amazing story of Louis Zamperini is explored in the book Unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand. Louis Zamperini was an Olympic athlete whose dreams were cut short by America's entrance into the Second World War. If you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. After surviving for 40 days in the Pacific Ocean after his plane crashed, Louis and a friend were captured by the Japanese. For the next year and a half, they were beaten, tortured, and starved by many of their captors. None of the guards, however, were as destructive or cruel or brutal as one named the Bird. From his first day in that prison, the Bird, for some reason, targeted Louis, stalking him like an animal day after day. 
For no reason, in fits of uncontrollable rage, the bird would pounce on Louis, beating him with an inch, within an inch of his life. Hungry, emaciated, and broken, Louis suffered the greatest of all losses at the hands of the bird, his humanity. The bird did more than beat Louis. In many ways, he destroyed him. Returning to the States after the war, Louis was broken beyond repair, it seemed. His life was an utter and complete mess until his wife, out of love, dragged him to a revival hosted by some up-and-coming preacher named Billy Graham. The first time Louis attended one of Graham's rallies, the message really didn't stick. But the second time he went, the gospel did. And Louis's life was changed forever. After his conversion, Louis began his own personal journey of rediscovering connection, autonomy, and confidence as he journeyed down a wilderness road as he embarked on the incredibly difficult process of letting go of all his anger. Much to his surprise, it was only one year later that Louis found himself back in Japan, not to kill the bird, which had always been his secret wish, but to find the bird and finally end the war. It was a cold morning in 1950 when Louis walked down through the entrance of the prison that had been his place of utter and complete torment. The former guards of the prison, all 850 of them, sat cross-legged on the floor of a large common room. At first, Louis didn't recognize them. Then far in the rear, he saw a face he knew, then another, and then another. As he connected names to the faces of the men who had tortured him, he searched for, but could not find, the one face that haunted his dreams. While talking to a commander at the camp, Louis learned the bird was dead. He had ended his own life. When Louis heard this news, he felt something for the bird that he never thought would be possible to feel. He felt compassion. He felt sorry for the man who had destroyed him. Before Louis left the prison, the commander asked his former guards to come forward. They hesitantly stood up, looking at Louis with small, frightened faces. But at that moment, Louis was overcome by something, a childlike exuberance, he describes. And before he was realizing what he was doing, he was running down the aisle towards them. His hands extended to the men who had abused him with a big, radiant smile across his face. Every good story begins, in my opinion, with a journey down a wilderness road of sorts, a journey initiated by the spirit of the living God who is relentless in pursuit of us. And while it's a journey typically full of fear and uncertainty, it's also a journey we never, ever make alone. God knows that as much as we may crave and need the autonomy and competence that are often found on our wilderness journey, God also knows we need other people, not only to offer us support along the way, but also to expand our knowledge and deepen our faith. 
And as today's story reminds us, as much as we may turn to family and to friends when we find ourselves on a wilderness journey, it's the strangers, the holy others we meet along the way that hold the key to discovering the purpose of our journey. And fortunately for us, our world right now is one that is full of strangers, of people we perceive to be on the edge of what it means to be human. I'm guilty of this. We are so quick now to label people, to put them in categories based on the stickers on their car, the signs in their lawn, or the way they walk, talk, or dress. We've taken stranger danger to a whole nother level. It has become all too common for us to write people off, to assume we know what they are thinking or feeling, to question their motives and intent. And yet, if the gospel is to be believed, these strangers, these people on the edge of what is tolerable to us, are the very people God is eager to use to teach us. What if there are no chance encounters? What if every person we meet was placed there by God? While Philip showed the eunuch the way forward by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, by sharing news of his life and death and resurrection, the eunuch also taught Philip something too. The eunuch revealed to him the reach, the far, far reach of God's providence and love. The eunuch learns about Jesus And Philip discovers just how far God's love will go. As they share a ride down a dangerous highway, both of their eyes are opened. Interestingly, their shared journey ends when they step down out of that chariot together, not to get back on the road to head their separate ways, but when they step into the water together to find new life. After learning about Jesus, the eunuch wants to be baptized, and Philip sees no reason to make it happen, despite their location and isolation. And so they come down out of that chariot and step into some water, marking the fact that because of their encounter, their lives were forever changed. And when they come out of the water, both of them are granted the three things every human being needs to continue their journey in faith and love, autonomy and competence and connection. They each return to their own lives, equipped with new knowledge about the way God works and with a larger social network that now includes one another. I believe that at every stage of life, we need connection, autonomy, and competence to thrive. And let's be honest, the last 12 to 14 months have in many ways robbed us (laughs) of all three. We hardly know what we're doing. We have very little control over what we can do. And we feel more disconnected from other people than ever before. And it's going to take time, I think, for us to regain those three things in our lives. The road before us, even with the vaccinations, the road before us is long and uncertain. But take heart in today's story, a story that reminds us that this And every wilderness road is one where God 
resides. We have seen evidence, I think, of the Spirit's presence with us in these past 12 months as we've journeyed down our own wilderness road here at Grace Covenant. We've witnessed the Spirit's presence, I think, through our love for one another. We have pulled together, honored the passing of loved ones, baptized little ones, welcomed them into our midst. We've taken some risks together as a community, acknowledged mistakes when they happened, But above all, we've tried our best, I think, to love one another with the unconditional love we have all experienced in Christ. We have leaned on each other, which is good. But I think if we want to make it further down this road and discover the purpose of our journey, we're going to have to expand our circle. Because there are other people, strangers, on this road with us we might perceive to be a threat or a holy other. People that we don't know, but we see every day, who God might be eager to use to expand our vision and deepen our faith. As well as we have done connecting with each other during this challenging time, in the coming months, we need to expand our network, I think, even wider to include some people who up to this point we have deemed to live at the edge of what we deem is tolerable. We need to turn strangers into friends if we want to find our way into the future God is eagerly creating. No one knows what the future will hold. We are, after all, on a road from what is known to what is unknown. But wherever we're headed, We're never alone. God is with us, thanks be to God for that. But perhaps even more importantly, God has put us on this road with others. Strangers, foreigners, outsiders, family and friends. All people who God is eager and ready to use to help all of us find our way home. Hallelujah. Amen.